0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the PaddlePod, your weekly podcast covering professional paddle presented by Hugo and Gons, episode 16. I've got Hugo here with me today. How are you doing?
1: I'm incredibly well, Gons. It's summertime and obviously enjoying a bit of beach and a bit of sun, so I can't complain. But to be honest, the highlight of my week is always our podcast, so I'm as happy as I can be.
0: Exactly. It's that time of the week again, and uh, that also makes me very happy. And yeah, I think we should probably get straight on to it. We've had Mendoza, uh, the latest Premier Paddle tournament, which I think, how many left do we have now in terms of uh, Premier Paddles? I think uh, Milan is left, Milan P1, and then I'm not sure if there's another major as well.
1: It's a good question. I'm not entirely sure. I know it's eight. This season, as we've discussed previously, so actually, yes, so we've got four Premier Paddle tournaments left. So one in September in Paris, one in October in Egypt, one in November in Mexico and one in December in Milan. So still half of the whole season left, to be honest, the Premier Paddle season, that is.
0: Yeah, and very much the number one spot is up in the air, given that now I think Goyo and Tapia moved up to third in the rankings uh, in terms of premier paddle rankings obviously as we know in world paddle tour they're number one and by quite a bit but yeah I think this is going to be then a very exciting second half of the season with premier paddle and yeah just going into Mendoza a bit obviously very dominant tournament from Coelho and Tapia to be honest I didn't expect it to be that that dominant actually I saw a a stat which was before the final which said that on average they had received six games uh a match which is absolutely amazing. That's basically saying that they on average they were winning six three six three, which is uh which is absolutely baffling. Uh but yeah let's go into it. I'm gonna start with you Hugo. What are your highlights? Uh and I guess what was your disappointment or low light?
1: Well to be honest, firstly very happy to watch a tournament in Argentina. Obviously, Argentina has been one of the birthplaces of Paddle, so I love it when well either well the World Paddle Tour or Premier Paddle make a trip over there and give us uh, a tournament. I think it's been a sensational tournament. One of the best in terms of Paddle level this season, in my eyes. So many good matches. and I think a lot of the players have really reached their peak in terms of performance right now. Obviously, we're going into a, a three-week break. So the following three weeks, we won't have any tournaments, which is obviously going to be great for the players as they'll get to rest. And hopefully that'll ensure that we have fewer injuries from September onwards. But yeah, to be honest, I just wanted to start saying that Austin Dabia, Don Austin Dabia has just been on a different level. Just so dominant. I think he's a level above Goejo, even right now in my eyes. I think he's the leader of the pair. And although it's obvious that Coelho is the perfect pair for him because Tapia has never been as consistent and as good as he has been this season, which obviously speaks very highly of Coelho, and I think he is right now the second best player in the world, Tapia is just on a different level. And for the last three or four years, I've always thought Lebron is the best paddle player I'd ever watched. And I actually think it's Tapia right now. So, yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout out and going into what I thought was the best match and one of the key highlights of Mendoza. I think everyone was very happy to see that the semifinal, the first semifinal was Lebron Galan against Tapia Coelho Probably a lot of people around the world think that they are the top two seeded pairs. I don't think it's very fair on Los Superpibes, given how well they've been faring this season. But obviously, Lebanon and Galan have been very much affected by Lebanon's long term injury. But yeah, going back to the game between Lebanon and Galan and W.A. it was almost like a game of chess, wasn't it? Just you could see how much respect they have for each other. And it was just one of the best matches I've watched in terms of they had to, they were both trying to play really, would keep the ball very low because they know, well, Galan and Lebanon know how good Dabian are in the air, how you know their attacking game and their smashing game is the best in the world, and it's you can't really control them when they start smashing. So and then, Koya and Tapia, on their on their side, they were trying to keep the ball low as well because obviously Halan's sensational in the air and Lebanon is as well. So it was just such a good good watch. I assume you managed to watch it, guns, right?
0: Yeah, very much so. And uh, just to point out as well, I felt the court was especially fast. So as you were mentioning as well. Obviously, they're trying to keep it low because any ball that went high could easily... I, I would say the four players there are all very good in the air. So obviously, if the court conditions are very fast and the ball bounces a lot, like, loves are just very dangerous. And I felt that actually this tournament was very much the tournament where LeBron really felt free and was able to use his aerial threat quite a bit, which just... It, I think it just makes him... 50 times like the better player than than he is without it because then you've got to change your game so much and this shot is really unexpected because uh, before I felt like in the last these last few tournaments players were able to read LeBron's game quite easily in terms of just loving it to him knew that he was gonna do a bandeja which I wouldn't say is probably his best shot. And then they were able to advance to the net quite quickly and block the bandeja or either just off the glass, like defend it really well and throw another lob and then potentially go for the net and block the shot and win the net there. This time, it wasn't as easy as that. So, yeah, I think, uh, as you were alluding to, it was a a very tactical game.
1: I mean, and I completely agree. I do think that even though there are a couple of points when it looked like LeBron and Glad turn the game around. Tabián Goya did dominate pretty much the whole match. I know LeBron and Galán did actually break Tabián Cuellar's serve once, but Tabián Goya broke straight back. And at the end of the day, the score was very, very dominant and almost yeah. comfortable, I'd say, because it was 6-4, six, 6-2. Six, so yeah, I just wanted to say how much uh, I enjoyed that match. But the other big highlight for me was actually Juan Deo and Alex Reef once again. They were sensational in my eyes. They almost made the final, having made the final the previous week in Malaga, as we mentioned during our previous podcast. They, I actually thought they were playing better than the Super Pives, than Martin Dineno and Franco Stupazuke in the semi final. But a few silly mistakes cost them the second set and ultimately they set the, the match. I I really wanted to make a special mention to Ruiz. I thought he was just a level above Dejo, even. He was so big at the net, super playing super offensively, as attacking as possible, pushing up the court and trying to win the net by blocking and even trying to cover the center of the court, which traditionally has been Dejo's given how fit he is and you know, his physical prowess. And, well, the risky part of Grief's game in terms of winning the net, trying to volley as much as possible, clearly paid off against Pakito and Shingoto in the quarterfinals. And it almost did in the semifinals. But, yeah, I just wanted to say well done and almost like a round of applause for Dejan Reith because they've turned their whole season around. They're looking as good, well, the best that they've ever looked together. And I genuinely think they could actually challenge for that fourth spot this season. What do you think, Hans?
0: Yeah, I think... Maybe they're one of the few pairs or few players that are actually a bit sad about going into summer break right now because, uh, as you were just mentioning, they're hitting peak form right now. They've obviously just come from their first final and now they've made a semi-final, which really could have gone either way and they were playing really, really well. But in terms of actual playing, I do feel, as you as you were saying, that they're just like... It feels like this is the best the bear has ever been. They also feel from like an emotional standpoint, you see Ruiz and, Bo- and Teo as well are like really happy, really showing their emotion on the court, really engaged, which I felt like in the sort of first half of the season, especially through when they joined and, you know, through like April to, to June, it wasn't like that. It was very much heads down. It almost felt a bit negative. Which sort of then you know we we discussed previously as well. Like are they a pair that potentially could not end the season together? So I think that right now is yeah it, oh, for me is definitely one of the highlights of the tournament. They were they they've they've come a a long way and hopefully they're able to to carry this on into the the second half of the season. I'd actually m- maybe for the next episode or. Or for for another one, I I would love to check like the in terms of points, like how's that race to the top four, um. But yeah, as you said, I think they're very much they could be very much in in contention for that, both in in Premier and in uh in World Paddle Tour.
1: Agreed. And given that we've just covered kind of the main highlights, what would your main low light be if you have one?
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting question. I would probably say Paquito and Chingoto, just mainly because I didn't feel like they it was a massive disappointment because I felt like in terms of Tello and, and Ruiz played really well and they deserved to be in, you know, in the semifinals. And sometimes, like, you can play really well as well, but if your opponent is better, like, there's nothing wrong with that. And it just doesn't mean that you were just worse or, oh, what a disappointment. It just, obviously, you've got to play against someone and that other someone could be really, really good. So there's no, like, sort of shame to losing to them, if you will. But I felt like a disappointment in terms of how they started this sort of summer swing and how they're ending it is uh, is where I'm coming from in terms of why I think it's a disappointment because, obviously, they headed into... I, f- I believe in France was their first final. And then maybe I'm stretching there, but I'm sure that they reached their first final in sort of June. And obviously they had a really good stretch in, in Rome where they reached the final again. I think they were back-to-back finals yeah. in, in July. So then they went to Malaga, which wasn't a great tournament for them. Again, losing to to Ruiz Anteo. And then obviously now again, not, not making the semifinals. So I feel like that's why... I would sort of say that was sort of my disappointment and I had them making the semifinals. So, and given how Los Super Pibes have been playing in terms of just sort of really tough matches, potentially scraping their wins uh, and going into third sets, they could have maybe even made, made the final in Mendoza. So I would go with them, but not necessarily because this tournament, I felt like they were just completely underperforming.
1: No, I think it's a very interesting take and it is probably who I'd go for, but just to give a different side to what I'd see as a big low light. Funnily enough, I'd almost say Alejandro Alan specifically, because we know that Juan Leveron has been struggling with his injury a lot. Epicondylitis, as we've previously mentioned, is a very serious injury in any sort of racket sport. And, well, we've covered it extensively, but I did think he's been very good recently and particularly, well, this week in Mendoza, last week that is. But I just don't think that Galan is really helping him as much as he could. He's not playing badly. And, you know, this is Alejandro Galan, one of the best players in the world and number one in the world for three seasons on the trot. But I just think that given that that LeBron's been struggling so much, I I don't actually see LeBron so far behind Galan at the moment. And I actually think they performed very similarly in their semi-final against Tapia Coelho. So, yeah, slightly disappointed about Galan's level right now, but, you know, he's he's a legend of the game, so I'm sure he'll turn it around very, very soon, won't he?
0: Yeah, and potentially that could be because he was maybe, with with sort of John Sance, like it was sort of obvious that he needed to take that step and he needed to be the leader and he needed to really step up to the plate to Give them any shot of winning, but maybe with LeBron, he sort of fell back to his like old comfort self, where it's like, okay, now I've got LeBron, like I don't really need to be that good of a player to to be competing. So maybe in that sense, and to be fair, I don't really know their pair dynamics in terms of like who's actually the leader, who's not. So maybe there's like something there. Uh, that could play into it. But certainly it doesn't feel like that. In the last couple of tournaments with John Sands, that he was like, you could clearly see he was the leader and he was pulling his weight and more even. And he was really dominant. He was really aggressive. He went for like 70, 80% of the balls. So I think that, yeah, potentially we might see a better galan in towards the second half of the season obviously now they've got summer and they can work on a lot of stuff and leberon hopefully get some rest from his injury and then we'll see but yeah i agree with you and that's actually a very good shout in terms of a, a low lie we've never done really done a a single player as such but sometimes <laughs> it is it can't just be like that right so so exactly. yeah it, it just you do feel that he came off like he was at his peak when he left John Sands. And that I think one of the reasons why we both thought they were gonna be really good just on like off the ground, because you've got LeBron coming back. And if that Ale Ralan from John Sands like end tenure stayed, then that would have been like a really, really competitive pair. But we'll see. I'm sure as you as you mentioned, like he'll definitely be back.
1: Completely agree. I just think just to to, touch on it very briefly again, I just think too many enforced errors. In, in his game. just Galland normally, he's, well, probably he's spoiled us in a way because he's made us think that making three, four, five unforced errors in a set is the normal. And it's just not that's how good he is. But yeah, I, I just thought maybe a tad too many unforced errors and a bit less lethal when volleying, which is probably the best part of his game apart from smashing. But well, I think we probably covered Mendoza and, well, Mendoza Premier Paddle P1 quite extensively. So moving on to our next topic, which is actually, I think, really, pretty really saucy, as per se, is, well, Alejandra Salazar and Gemma Triay have split. So we're moving on to the women's side of the game and, and women's paddle. And, well, just to give a brief overview, a summary of what's happened Adriana and Alejandra Salazar played together for a very long time and they were number one in the world, the number one ranked pair for an extensive period of time, playing some unbelievable paddle. They lost that number one spot at the beginning of this season, having retained it right in the last tournament last year. So they had to beat, it was Paula Jose Maria and Adriana Sánchez in the final of the master final to retain the number one spot and they did. But this season, Paula Jose Maria and uh, Sánchez have been just a level ahead of everyone else. So it makes sense. It is true that Alejandra Salazar has been playing with a serious injury and pain in her elbow for a very long time. So she decided to have a chat with Gemma Triay And they agreed that the best thing for her was for Alejandra Salazar to stop, to get an operation, to fix her elbow out, essentially well, change the position of the tendon, if I'm not mistaken, or the nerve to improve the pain and therefore hopefully have a longer career and a a pain-free career. So they agreed on it and it seemed like well, she will be back in Finland so the next tournament is in three weeks it's a World Battle Tour tournament in Finland and Gemma Driai has actually shocked the world and decided to end her partnership with Alejandra Salazar to continue playing with Marta Ortega so for those of you who don't know Gemadria has been playing with Marta Ortega since Alejandra Salazar has been out due to her elbow injury and well Gons I mean what do you think it's definitely shocked Alejandra Salazar what do you, what's your take on it
0: yeah i have so many thoughts to be honest. I think when I first saw this, I was absolutely in shock. This was the this is a massive news from the on the women's side. It's basically a pair that have been dominating the women's side of paddock for the last three years. Uh they've been number one in the world, as you mentioned. They won countless of titles. Obviously this season, Paula José Maria and Arian Sanchez are right there. So Potentially, wouldn't have been they wouldn't have been ending the the year number one. But this is a yeah absolutely shocking news because uh, the intention for from both players, especially when um, when Alex Salazar had this issue, was that they were just gonna continue playing together afterwards. Um, so I think I'm not. I would love to hear Gematria still hasn't really come out and explained everything. So we don't really know, I guess, her reasonings as to why she thinks Marta Ortega, like she she still wants to continue with Marta Ortega and completely split from Ale Salazar. Uh, but I'd love to hear the, the, those those opinions. One interesting thing with which Ale Salazar said, I think she said today as well, was uh, she gave an interview with a Spanish newspaper in Marca and she said that they spoke two weeks ago in Madrid. And it sort of seemed like they were going to continue playing together. Like, Giamatti I didn't say, like, oh, um, I'm going to, like, I want to split up and stuff. So, obviously, that's quite shocking because I guess from that moment, what that was two weeks ago, like, what has changed since then? Um, it's worth noting that Giamatti and Marta Otero, if I'm not mistaken, won one tournament, which I believe was Rome. Um, but other than that, they've been sort of, yeah, making semifinals, finals. But Ale Salazar and Giamatti have been w- way more successful than that. So I'm not sure why. Yeah, I'm just not, not sure why she would be she would be splitting. Um, having said that, from obviously from Marta's side is unbelievable and a great opportunity to keep him playing with like such a good player as Gemma, and potentially now really on the I guess on the race to be to be number one and continue winning a lot of titles, which previously I guess she was more trying that top three uh status. And uh, we we sort of, when I first mentioned it, I was like, I was a bit, not harsh, but I was a bit, I didn't really understand why, for example, Marta would split with someone to then, because she split with her partner previously, Sofia Alaojo, who who then, like, the, the, she basically had a very short time with her and then, like, was going to do this thing with Gemma and then potentially, obviously, if Gemma went back with Ale, then split again. So... But obviously, it's really gone on her favor. So well done for her. Um, I remember saying oh, I didn't really understand it back then, but I did say, yeah, if it obviously means that someday in the future you play with Gemma, then it does make sense because then you really have a shot of being number one. And uh, and yeah, I didn't expect it to be this soon. <laughs> I thought maybe it will be in uh, in a couple of years down the line. But yeah, absolutely insane. Uh, what are your thoughts, Hugo?
1: Yeah, I mean, I very much agree with everything you said, Gons. I think. Well, I don't see Gemma Triay's decision as being very ethical, very moral. The fact that, well, according to Alejandro Salazar, they spoke a couple of weeks ago, and Triay confirmed that they would continue to play together. That just sounds very bad. And as you said, we haven't heard Triay's side of the story, and sometimes you'll get, well, we we, we actually don't know, because we obviously didn't live this situation and this decision, and we weren't lucky. In, you know present in this discussion but it, it does sound pretty bad from, from Marta Ortega, I think it's great literally what you just said Gemma Triay is one of the for me, top two backhand players in the world, it's Ariane Sanchez and Gemma Triay so Delphi fibrea is right now pushing sorry, not Delphi Brea Thalif, my bad I was thinking about partner, But Beron Thalif is very much in, in the question right now to be one of those best backhand players in the world. But Gemma Adria has been so consistent. And it, she's pretty much the perfect partner for Marta Ardera. Marta Ardera, let's not forget, she was a number one in the world a number of years ago. So she knows how to do it. And she's a very hard worker, one of the fittest players on the tour. And she's been playing very well recently. So I do think that they have a very strong... Shot at essentially stealing the number one spot from Ariana and Palajos Maria. But yeah, in terms of Gemadria's decision, very unexpected. And just like you just said, Marta Ortega took a gamble splitting from Sofia Araujo to play with what it seemed basically play with Gemadria for what it seemed like only a few tournaments. And it's worked out. So Great for Marta. And, well, I just wanted to mention that it seems like Araujo could be Salazar's new partner. That's the rumour going round. It hasn't been confirmed yet. That would be a sensational partnership. Alicante Salazar, fantastic forehand player, one of the best. Sofia Araujo, young Portuguese, promising backhand player. So, who knows? Could they push for the number one spot? I really hope this opens up women's paddle because up until the end of last season it was pretty much entirely dominated by Alice Alazar and Jim Adriae and it was almost getting a bit boring so in my eyes great for paddle.
0: yeah it could definitely be good for for women's paddle in that sense and having a lot of players now really be able to to get to that number one spot I do think though that at least for this year it definitely seems like Paula José Maria and Ariana Sanchez have it have it locked up and they're playing incredibly well. But obviously we'll see what what the future holds. And uh yeah, and I just wanted to say as well, like potentially we don't cover a lot of women's paddle and not because we don't want to or we don't like it, just mainly because like obviously there's like limited time that we have in these episodes. Uh but yeah, this this topic in particular and whenever we've gone a bit into the women's side of the game, you know, it's for, for a very relevant matters and and topics so we definitely thought that this one needed to be discussed
1: correct completely agree and we do watch women's paddle i love watching women's paddle i actually think it's one of the sports where there's the smallest difference between the men's game and the women's game because women's paddle has been a thing for many years and strength is not as important in paddle as it is potentially in others sports at least in my eyes so women's paddle is incredibly entertaining and a fantastic sport and it's probably at the best stage it has been in for a number of years for the reasons we've just mentioned i love watching for example the super vivas they're so fun and they've been faring so well recently and there's so many other top players so yeah if you do get a chance i'm talking to our viewers now make sure you watch a few of their games because they're really fun really entertaining and really refreshing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Maybe our listeners can watch the next one uh, when Ale Salazar and Gemma Tia are next on court and facing each other, because I'm sure that's going to be quite a fiery match.
1: Agreed. Agreed. I'm definitely going to be watching that one because, wow, well, both Salazar and Araujo are going to be so keen to prove that, basically, prove to Gemma Tia and Marta are respectively that they made the wrong decision. So it's going to be a feisty one and I'm very excited. But Indeed. yeah, just probably moving on to our last topic for the day and for the episode. Gabi Reca, one of the one of Paddle's legends, one of the best forehand players that's ever played the game, recently did an interview with our colleagues at Veinte Diez. Yes, we're using another interview from Veinte Diez I hope it's not getting too boring, but their content is just so good and their interviews are so interesting and so insightful that we're going to try and use them as much as possible.
0: Yeah, with such a so, variety of players and coaches, I would say, as well, which is great.
1: Exactly. Completely agree. And, well, Gabi had touched on a lot of Paddle's hottest topics or the hottest topics in Paddle today. And I, don't, I did want to emphasize... A few of them. I wanted to start off with one of his comments. Gaviraga said he believes that Pano's greats would be as good regardless of the period of time when they succeeded. So he th- thinks that, for example, Juan Martín Díaz, Vela, Sanyo, LeBron, Galán, Tapia would be right at the top. of In the old days, as well as today, the greats are quite, great whenever. That's essentially what he said. In a way, Bella and Sanyo probably prove this. They were great back in the day, 10, 15 years ago, and they are still right at the top. But a lot of people argue the opposite because a lot of people, at least I've heard a lot of people say that today's players are better because Palace become more professional and more competitive because more people play the sport. What's your view on this, Gons?
0: Yeah, it's a very good question. I do think... I'm not sure if the players as such would be dissimilar in the the different ages. I think a great player back in the day would still be a great player today, and a great player today would still be a really good player back in the day. But I do think that you can't deny that the game changes. And there are certain shots and certain attributes and certain ways of playing that before used to work really effectively, but today may not work as such. And I think a really good example of this is a specific shot, which I'm going to say is the bandeja. The bandeja classically, especially back in the day, was a just a very simple shot, an overhead shot that is just get the ball to the other side slowly, not necessarily is not a winner at all. And all you do is just get back to the net and win the net. And from there, you keep on constructing the point and then eventually get a shot that you're able to win the point with. But the bandeja was never a winner. In today's day and age, whenever you go to a paddle lesson or a paddle class, first of all, they they might not even teach you the bandeja. And if they're teaching you the bandeja, it's almost really just a vibora. And now in today's paddle, all you do is a vibora, which is a way more aggressive shot with a lot of side spin that many times you can you hit harder and you can even get a winner of it. So, for example, just using that shot analogy, you can see how, like, one, the game just changes and evolves. And obviously certain players who used to play, for example, that show a lot may not be as effective in today's day and age because the game has changed. I do think that the game is faster today. So people that are really good in the air probably get better results. And people who are really physically stronger and taller are probably fair better. Um, in today's day and age, than maybe they would have done back then, and obviously shorter players and stuff like that would would find it harder in today's day and age. So I, so I still think, and obviously as you mentioned, we can see like Sanyo are very much at the top of the world paddle tour, and and yeah, they're elites in paddle, and they're re, they're pushing on the boundaries of age and all of that. But I do think that there is definitely. Uh, an involvement and an evolution of the game and that suits certain players versus others
1: I think to be honest I don't think I could explain my opinion and my take on the subject better than you have <laughs> I think courts today are much faster than they used to be Panels evolved to become a more attacking game risk taking game will the best players always be the best no matter the court condition style of play well, if one of the paddles greats, and not only has he played in the old days and been one of the best players in the old days, but he's actually currently coaching Paquito Navarro and Fede Chingoto, Gabi Recades. So he clearly knows what he's talking about. So in a way, I think, hey, maybe I was wrong. Maybe maybe there's, there is a, you know, the best players will always be the best players regardless. But I completely agree with you. I do think that because of how paddles evolved and because of how courts have evolved, how the game's evolved, certain players are probably more suited to certain eras. So at least that's my my overview. But I'd love to hear and see our viewers' comments on our Instagram page, Twitter account. I'd love to hear what people think about it because I think it's a really, really interesting topic and it opens up a whole can of worms (laughs) but another thing that he mentioned and i want to touch on is changeovers so we actually spoke about this very recently and gabi reka said he prefers how world paddle tour only broadcast changeovers live when the set's coming to an end so it happens when it's from five four onwards he thinks it's not necessary to listen to every single changeover which is what premier paddle do And, well, he spoke a lot about the fact that he doesn't like the fact that we get to listen to what happens during changeovers. He said it's not fair, and he compared it to when, well, what other people, essentially what other people listening to conversation you may have with a peer or a work colleague or a boss, and you wouldn't want that conversation to be heard. And it is probably a private conversation. And, well, the court and changeovers are paddles, paddle players, workplaces. So he has slightly changed my opinion. I obviously said a couple of weeks ago, might have even been last week, but I think it's great for the sport. And I love listening to what happens during changeovers. I still agree. And I still see that. But it has slightly changed my opinion. What do you think, ons
0: Yeah, I think it's completely fair what he... He was saying and the analogy is sort of spot on um i think when we spoke about this previously because we've touched upon it it's definitely from their side and yeah from both the players and coaches that uh, it's completely fair that they wouldn't want i think if at least if i was in that position as well and a player i definitely wouldn't want my conversations to be heard so it makes sense i wonder though how that will if that will change or not. Um, we don't really see it in any other sports, which in a way is what, what also makes it really cool that you're able to see this in paddle. But uh, yeah, it will be very interesting to see if or when this sort of, uh, I guess, new tour comes into next season, if that changes at all or not, because I'm sure that Gabriela is not the only, or Paquito as well. He's expressed his his opinions on it. And I'm sure that they're not the only ones on on the sort of player coach side that, want that stop so yeah we'll, I'm sure they'll they'll have some negotiations
1: For sure and as you just said I'm sure it's most of the players to be honest I'm sure if I was a player I'd probably be in that boat, I probably wouldn't want my conversations being listened to in the heat of a match but yeah we'll see, maybe a good midpoint is what World Paddle Tour currently do just listen to a couple of changeovers per set and that makes it more limited and more special maybe players would care less about it, although they still are complaining. So, well, who knows? But maybe one last thing I want to touch on, I don't know about you, Gons. this is within Gary Reca's interview, is Gary Reca was asked what do you think Paquito and Fede Cingotto are, essentially, what are they going to achieve from now until the end of the season? Do you see them competing with the greats, Tapia Coelho, Lebron, Galan, are they at that level? And he, gavi said, he believes they will win one to two tournaments from now until the end of the season. I don't agree. What are your thoughts, Gons?
0: So what do you think?
1: <laughs> well, genuinely, I think if they won one one tournament, I'd be very impressed. Wow. At the end of the day, we're coming into September. What will we have? Another... 10 to 15 tournaments yeah. Tapia Guayo are going to probably win about half of them given the, how well they've been playing Leveron and Galan definitely win one probably a couple before the end of the season Super Pives are the only other pair that's won a tournament so they will win a few as well so unless a couple of big injuries happen maybe Lebron still not playing at his best maybe Goye or Tapia or Stupadino have a serious injury unless that happens just really I actually don't see them winning a tournament But what do you think?
0: Yeah, I I was going to say I definitely see them winning one. I think they definitely have the potential to to do so, and I'd love to. Uh, I'd love for them to win one because I think that could then lead on to much better things. But uh, but yeah, I mean, now that you were mentioning, it's true that obviously there's not that many tournaments left, and everyone like that's left, and essentially like there's only been because Lebron Angalana haven't won this season so there's only been like two winners no, it's... taking out the 500 exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah I definitely see that it will be quite challenging but yeah I, I, I do think they will win one and they definitely could interesting
1: I'll go for none let's have this as a separate
0: bet <laughs> love that alright so I think that brings well... us on to the end of the episode uh, it's been a great pleasure to have you here as always Hugo uh we'll just want to mention that we'll be taking a bit of a break as well as sort of the paddle calendar does but we'll be back with a massive bang because we've got a very special episode coming up
1: very excited about this episode and i'm sure you will all be very excited as well have a great week guys and see you in a few weeks
0: see you in a few weeks thank you
1: everyone bye